That was amazing. Thank you. You were so brave. <laughs> Our scripture reading, we have a bunch of them today. First one is Genesis 2, 2 through 3. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Genesis 2.15. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. God blessed the seventh... Oh, I repeated it. Proverbs 22.29. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, meet us now through your word and in this time. Teach us, speak to us, uh, encourage us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you about my friend Jeremy, who doesn't have as exciting a career as Mike. Uh, he grew up on a Christian camp in Montana. His parents were the camp directors. And as he grew, he assumed and he thought and he felt called that, that he would eventually be in Christian ministry himself. Um, so he went to a place called Moody Bible Institute in Chicago to get his ministry degree. Um, but then life happened. He got married, and in order to support his new wife as she finished school, he, just, he had to get a job, any job he could. He sent out 30 to 40 applications to churches and ministry places and jobs in the secular workforce, and the only place that called him back was Plunkett's Pest Control. So he went, he got the job, he um, got his green hat, Learned how to spray for cockroaches and trap pigeons and keep ants out of buildings. And at first, he simply did it for the paycheck. His plan was as soon as possible to get something else that would be more fulfilling and something that he wanted to do. Um, he struggled with what it meant for his identity that when someone asked him what he did, he said, I kill bugs. I'm going to come back to him in a few minutes, but do you ever wonder, like Jeremy, if your work really matters? Maybe you're in a job that you don't like, that's tedious, or that seems um, not to be contributing much. Maybe you love your job, but you wonder if you're really making a difference because of just the massive scale of need and of challenges. Um, maybe you're retired and you think, what do I have to offer now? What am I doing to contribute that really matters? Um, well, whatever you are feeling with that today, I want to tell you that your work does matter. You have work that matters. 
And I'm aware that people are in all kinds of different situations in this space this morning. Uh, Many of you are retired, looking back on a career. Some of you are looking forward to college and and, uh, vocation. Uh, Some of you love your work. Some of you can't wait for Friday to come each week. Um, Some of you are business owners. Some of you are employees. There's a whole spectrum of situations in this room Um, Some work part-time, some work full-time. But whatever it is, wherever you are, your work matters. It matters to God. I want to tell you four reasons why your work matters as we launch this whole faith and work series. Um, In a way, this sermon is kind of an overview, and we're going to cover a lot really quickly this morning but I trust there's at least one thing in this message that you need to hear today. So just keep your ears open. Four reasons. Number one, your work matters because you were created to work. Did you ever think about that? The passage that was read says that God, well, we know God is a creator, and it even calls his activity of creation work. In Genesis 2.2, it says, God, by the seventh day, God finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. We'll talk about rest and work another time. But the point is, God is one who works. Now, the other religions in the ancient world, and even today, Um, view God as one who um, doesn't need to work. In fact, the Babylonian God created human beings to be his slaves so that he wouldn't have to work. But what a different picture is the God of the Bible. A working God, a God who's a craftsman, an artist. The word work in that passage is the same word that's used for Shepherds and woodworkers and masons and farmers, it's work. Um, And so we are made in the image of a God who is a worker. Genesis 1.28 says God made humanity in his image and God gave this first couple work to do. Um, Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. We also get a picture of the, the work that Adam and Eve were called to in Genesis 1.28. God tells them to be fruitful and multiply. Anyone in this room who is a parent or has been a parent knows that raising families is work. And it's an important vocation. But also he says, fill the earth and subdue it which encompasses the whole vast project of human civilization and all the work that that entails. So work is part of our identity as image bearers of God. The problem is sometimes we view work as a necessary evil, as something we have to do to be able to do what, we, what really counts in life. When I was a college, recent college grad, I went to work for a construction company for a summer. And I was on a big job with a lot of crews coming in, the plumbers, the electricians, the drywallers. 
Um, and I quickly discovered there are two things that, that people loved to talk about at work. Weekends and vacation. <laughs> it's like they didn't really take pride in the work they did or really feel called to it. They just wanted to be able to get to that Friday to kick back with a beer and to uh, uh, escape from the week of work or go, go camping or go hunting or do anything but the work they were doing. Do we ever feel this way? Like, ah, oh, I just I got to go to this job. I got to pay the bills. As if work is like a necessary evil. But actually, work is a good thing. Now, in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sin, and God curses them. And work itself is cursed. God says to Adam that no longer will the ground cooperate when you try to grow food, but it will produce thorns and thistles, and by the sweat of your brow you will eat your bread, and then you'll die. Now, work is hard in this world. We're going to talk next week about all the ways that work feels hard and toilsome and futile sometimes. But the fact is, work itself is not a result of the fall. Work was given to humanity before the fall. Do you see the importance there? Now work is cursed, but work is not part of the curse. Work is a good thing. Work matters. That's the first reason that work matters, because you were made in the image of a God who works, and you were made to work. Number two, your work matters because all work is God's work. All work is God's work. God does not rank different types of work in importance. Like up here you have the priests and the pastors and the missionaries, and then you go down until eventually you get to the pest control people, you know. All work can be done for God. Now, I would caveat that with, or nuance that with, some types of work are inherently evil, like slave trading or uh, the pornography industry or um, fraudulent investing, but all honest work is God's work. All of it can be done for God. How do we know this? The Bible grants dignity to all types of work. Farming, carpentry, uh, shepherding, serving as a king, serving as a slave, the whole gamut. Exhibit A is Jesus. What do you know about what Jesus did for work? He was a carpenter. The Greek word is tekton, one who fabricates with wood, stone, or metal. And he did that. He worked with his hands for probably 15 to 20 years before his second career of teaching and healing and saving the world. (laughs) Right? And that is highly significant Jesus did not come, the Son of God did not come as a scholar, as a king to sit and be fanned by a servant. He came as a worker, as a a craftsman, as a construction worker. Let me come back to my friend Jeremy. After a few years at Plunkett's Pest Control, he got word that his grandparents' church in Michigan was hiring a youth pastor. 
So he thought, perfect, this is exactly what I've been waiting for. They even invited him to apply. He practically had the job already. So he, he applied, but after he did so, he was praying about it, and he felt the Lord ask him, Jeremy, why do you need to get paid to serve me? He sensed that he wanted this youth pastor job so badly, and he wondered, why is that? Why can't I be content killing bugs if that's what God wants me to do for him? So he withdrew his application from the church. And to his surprise, almost 10 years later, he's still working at Plunkett's Pest Control. Um, I talked to him about this a few weeks ago on the phone, and he feels like, at least for now, this is God's calling on his life. I said, Jeremy, what do you enjoy about the job that you feel called to? And he says, well, I've really enjoyed um, getting to know the science, like the biology of insects. I enjoy the fact that I get to walk a lot. I enjoy being loyal to my customers. And he's even been able to develop some close friendships with a few of his customers that are impacting them. Um, He enjoys being able to provide for his family so his wife can live her dream of staying home with the kids and raising them. He's found God's work to do in his job. Now, I want you to hear loud and clear this morning that God has important work for you to do and your work has dignity, whatever it is. Now, some of you It might be easier to believe that than others, but all of your work has dignity. It matters to God, whether it's taking care of children or selling insurance or entering data on a spreadsheet um, or studying in school. All of it matters. I don't want to say that whatever you are currently doing is your calling in life. Not all jobs are callings. It might take you a while to figure that out. But every job can be a calling from God. All work is God's work. Number three, your work matters because it's one of the main ways that you serve other people. It's one of the main ways you serve others. This is a deeply biblical reason why work matters. Peter writes in 1 Peter 4, verse 10, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as a faithful steward of God's grace in its various forms. Now, in context, he's talking to the church primarily about working in the church. But that principle applies in the workforce as well. God has gifted you or called you to a certain thing, and that is meant to serve other people. You know, we talk about the service industry, the people who mow our grass and wash our dishes in the restaurant and make the hotel beds. But in God's eyes, all work is in the service industry. All work is meant for serving others. One way to look at it is what would happen if you didn't do your job well? What would happen? If Mike Lachance didn't do his job well, the fire department would not run as efficiently and maybe lives would be lost. Um, If my friend Jeremy didn't do his job, then bugs and rodents and pigeons would eventually destroy people's property. 
Dennis Laughlin is a chocolate molder, expert chocolate maker. We need him. <laughs> what would happen if people didn't know how to do that? I know Meg, Meg's not here. I know she would be um, in distress. <laughs> how about um, Christy Trombley is the CFO of National Chimney Company. Now, if that company did not run well, they wouldn't be able to supply chimneys, which is an essential part of heating people's homes. We can say this about every job in here. Um, during the pandemic, we heard a lot of this phrase, essential workers, right? Essential workers. They were the ones that had to show up and do their jobs. Healthcare workers, uh, public transportation, grocery store folks. We came to know just how essential many people are because of what they do for others. But we also learned that, you know, like what job isn't essential at some point? We need the truck drivers to bring stuff to the stores. We need professional cleaners to make places safe. We need delivery uh, drivers. We need mechanics. We need plumbers. We need prison guards. We need, we even need artists to help us in this time. All jobs are important for other people. Are you tracking with this today? Your work matters because it's one of the primary ways you serve other people. Your job, whatever it is, enables you to specialize in something and get really good at something that helps someone else. And it may be several steps removed from a, from a person, but it is still an opportunity for you to serve others. So think about your job. What is it that you do that helps other people? Fourth and finally, your work matters because Jesus leaves his fingerprints on it. All work matters to God, but there is a way as a follower of Jesus that your work matters even more. That's because when you serve Jesus, all of the work you do um, takes on new meaning. All of your work can be redeemed. All of your work is a, a place that Jesus can um, show up in. Most Christians, I would think, assume that integrating faith and work means talking about Jesus at work, right? And certainly that is part of it. But that is just the tip of the iceberg. That is just a small fraction of how Jesus wants to work through your work. So let me suggest, rapid fire, several ways that, um, uh, that your work as a follower of Jesus can naturally be integrated with your faith. And they all start with E. So um, the first one is excellence. Do your work with excellence to God's glory. When Jesus worked as a carpenter, do you think he took pride in building things, in the things that he made for other people? Or was he just whiling away the time until he could get, get on with his real ministry, right? I, I believe he took pride in the work he did. Paul was a tent maker, a leather worker. Do you think he, he, did, he made those tents as best as he could, or was he just paying the bills to be able to preach. 
I bet you he was working with pride as unto the Lord. Work with excellence in whatever you do. The second thing is your ethics. Your ethics. I asked my friend Jeremy, how do you integrate your faith and work? And one of the first things he said was, well, I'm honest. I'm loyal. I go the extra mile. Um, He said, in my job, there's an incentive to cut corners because I'm paid by the volume of work I do. So um, whether I spend 15 minutes on a job or three hours at a job, I'm paid the same. So it would be really easy for me to just... um, to do a poor job and, and move on and, and get more jobs done, but I stay as long as I need to to make sure the job gets done well. That's your ethics, who you are. Um, are, you, are you honest? Do you have integrity? Are you responsible? Do you, do you respect other people? That is a reflection of Jesus. Number three, endurance. Endurance. We all have bad days at work. Things come up, things happen. We run into um, other people's sin and structures that don't work and supply shortages and machines breaking and kids misbehaving. And how the question is, how do you respond to those things at, in your workplace? Do you see it as an opportunity to trust God, to um, respond in a Christ-like way? Do you see it as a way God wants to develop your character? Because it is. How do you endure those things? And this becomes a witness to others. For example, let's say you, you keep your cool during a really stressful conflict. And your coworker says, man, how did you stay so composed back there? You say, well, it's only through Jesus. Only through Jesus. Or, get this, if you, let's say you lose your temper or have some kind of a failure of character, even then you can be a witness because guess what? You can come back and say, I'm sorry, I screwed up. How many genuine, sincere, humble apologies do people give out there? That has to come from Jesus. Fourth, encouragement. So excellence, ethics, endurance, fourth, encouragement. The people around you are going through hard things as well. Can you come alongside them and listen and offer compassion and encourage them? And as you do, I guarantee you people will um, be drawn to you and to your witness about Jesus. Fifth, entrepreneurism. This is something we don't often think about. God calls people to start things, to run companies, to make money for him. Um, and when you are the, the, a business owner or leader, you get, to, you get to influence a whole culture in your workplace. You get to take care of your employees. Or maybe this applies too if you're a manager or in a place of leadership you get to lead in a Christ-like way. Um, I loved hearing about how, how Mike has led in the fire department um, and how his, his faith bring, comes to bear on his leadership. <clears throat> um, you know, would that there were more businesses and workplaces in this world where 
Um, stuff like that happened. Six and finally is evangelism. Having conversations with people about Jesus. You know, the people you work with, you spend perhaps even more time with than your family. And um, what, a more, what, a, what better people to share your faith with? You know, what did you do this weekend? Well, I went to church. Really? Yeah. Uh, what about you? Are you part of a church? No, if I went into a church, the place would burn down, right? Well, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, I'm, I've done some pretty bad stuff. I'm not much of a church person. Like, me too. I'm, uh, it's all about grace. I'm a sinner. Natural conversation. So there are so many ways that Jesus uh, has for us to integrate our faith and our work. I hope that something this morning has, has <clears throat> spoken to you specifically. I want you to think about the work you are going to be doing this time tomorrow. Maybe it's a paid job. Maybe it's working around the house. Maybe it's sitting in a class at school. That work matters to God. It matters because God designed you to work, because um, no matter what it is, you can do it for God's glory. Uh, It matters because you can serve others through it, and it matters because if you're a Christian, you can do it with and for and in Jesus Christ. So as you keep that work in mind, let's pray for our work now. Lord, thank you for the work that you have given our hands to do. We pray for that work now. Help us to see why it matters to you. Show us the dignity and value that our work has. Grant us your spirit to be able to work with skill and perseverance and joy. Let us um, keep serving others our main focus. We pray for those who are seeking work or seeking more meaningful work to them. Lead them into the vocation that suits their gifts and abilities. We pray for those working in toxic or especially challenging workplaces. Give them grace to endure, power to change the culture, or a way to escape. Lord, we pray for those who are retired that you would show them the calling you have on their lives right now to do meaningful work. We pray for business owners, managers, and people of influence in their workplaces. Give them wisdom to lead. Help them cast their cares, their burdens on you. And work through them to create healthy workplaces. And Lord, we pray for our workplaces, our coworkers that you would transform them by the power of the gospel. Help us to be salt and light as we work. We ask this all in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen.